careful way. I, I felt like, you know, I was like throwback days to like MTV Unplugged. Right? Right? All she needed was like a little stool. Yeah. Well, I want to move this back a little bit because I like to walk around and talk with y'all. And I want to start today by telling you a story about an African-American man who grew up in California, born in the 50s to an activist family. In the 70s, early 70s, he was in college at USC studying physiobiology or some, some I can't remember the, the exact term, but it was something in biology, and he was in class where he was learning about mental illness and reflecting on his own experiences. He'd had some visions and some mystical experiences that, that he started questioning, wait a minute, what, is this like psychopathology here? And so, so strangely enough, what he started to do was smoke less marijuana. <laughs> and you know what happened? The visions increased. They didn't decrease. And this young man in the early 70s, he was agnostic. He didn't believe in God. And yet he was having these experiences that, you know, if you'd look toward academia, they said, hey, this is pathology. There's something wrong with you. But he continued for, for about a year to have the same recurring dream. And in this dream, there were three men chasing him. And each time he would, he would wake up before they caught him, but they were getting closer and closer and closer to him until one night they caught him and they were holding him down and two held and one actually stabbed a knife through his heart and it was very painful and in his dream he died he woke up from this dream and amazingly enough he felt a presence of unconditional love all around him, within him, within every object that was around him, he felt this love. And because he was agnostic, he didn't know what to call it except for love beauty. So he started to to read and learn about Eastern philosophy and Western religion and looking at the great you know, teachings of, of history in the world because he was starting to get, in, he wanted to understand what was happening to him. So he started to do this exploration and this learning and this growing and, and you know, during this time, I, I forgot to mention that he supported that marijuana by selling it too, like, you know, so from his kind of like old life when he was doing the marijuana, he began to sell it. And this man is a very industrial man. And he, his little like, you know, 
his little business on the side, his side business, turned into like a national operation. And he, he was selling drugs across the United States. Is this crazy? This is crazy. But in his awakening, he knew that he knew this is no longer for me. I'm not going to sell drugs anymore. But I've got this big shipment, and I'm gonna, so I'm going to unload it, and then I'm done. Well, somehow the police found out about his big shipment, and because of his, you know, really large network that he had built, it was a big deal that he got busted. He got arrested, he got charged, and now here he is in the courtroom facing these very serious charges. People were telling him, you know, you can like leave the country. And he, but at, by this point in his journey, he had done so much waking up that he wasn't afraid of what was happening in his life. And he faced the consequences, and at the same time, he also knew, I'm not going to jail. This is not, I'm not going to jail. And strangely enough, there was a technicality that got him off and all the charges were dropped, right? The judge took him aside afterwards and was like, hey buddy, I better not see you in my courtroom again. And he looked at him and he said, oh no, you won't. You won't see me in this courtroom again. Because in that moment and through that process, he had decided to dedicate his life to love beauty to living it, being it, and teaching it. I don't know if maybe you've heard of Michael Bernard Beckwith? Yeah. <laughs> That's how he came to be a spiritual mystic. Crazy, right? And so we're talking today about letting your soul unfold. And, and one of the things that I noticed about Dr. Beckwith's experience was that his awakening was a total surprise. It surprised him, it surprised everybody who knew him, because he was agnostic. He had no intentions of going that route. And yet we know that surprise or not, that life is unfolding. It's revealing itself to you, to me, to him, in each and every moment. And so, taking him by surprise, it said, I can just imagine, right, his soul, hey buddy, we're going a different direction than this. And off he went. You know, um, Agape Spiritual Center, where he founded in Southern California, um, is celebrating, as we're celebrating our 25th, they're celebrating their 33rd this year. So yeah, so well, that was in the early 70s uh, when he was in, when that happened. So Dr. Holmes said that we plant a seed and there is in the seed operating through the creative soil everything that will cause it to develop, unfold, and produce a plant. 
So everything in the seed is there for what it is to become. And when I think about, you know, like a tomato seed, you know, while I don't understand it, I certainly believe that. Yeah, you put everything in it to become what it needs to become. And you put it in the nurturing soil and you tend to it, and it does its thing. Like you could not even stop it from growing roots and making its way in the dark soil up to the light of day. You couldn't even stop it if you tried, right? Like it just happens. And so what I want you to remember today is that each one of us are a seed that spirit has planted. So right within you is everything you need to become what you naturally and organically want to become. And so I also remember that not only do you have this wisdom inside of you that's like written into your DNA, that the entire universe, the cosmos, is supporting you, bringing you people, experiences, things that will help what is already naturally happening to happen even more. I love that. And today we're going to do a little bit of cultivating and watering that soil to support that process of unfoldment. So Dr. Holmes also said that there is a law of unfoldment. Because I don't know about you, but I'm like, okay, there's a seed, I'm a seed, there's a seed inside of me. I want to unfold into my greatness. But like, how do I do that? <laughs> right? So Dr. Holmes talked about this law of unfoldment. I'm reading this little piece from our Science of Mind textbook, and I just want you to know that I've changed the language. I've changed the language from masculine pronouns to gender-neutral pronouns. He would too if he were alive today. <laughs> so there is a law of unfoldment in you which says you can advance only by going from where you are to the place where you would like to be. And it's not because the law is limited, but because it is law. And as you unfold in your consciousness, the law automatically reacts to you. And the way it works is to begin right where we are. And through constantly applying ourselves to the truth, we gradually increase in wisdom and understanding. And in this way alone will results be attained. So if day by day we have a greater understanding and a clearer concept realizing more truth and applying it in our actions, then we're on the right path and eventually we'll be set free. So it's a wonderful experiment and a great adventure to make conscious use of the law, to feel that we can plant an idea in mind 
and see it gradually take form. So what's so cool about this is that as I was suggesting that you are a seed that has been planted, you also have that power to plant seeds. That's cool. <laughs> to infinity and beyond. <laughs> <laughs> so Dr. Holmes is kind of giving us a, a little bit of a roadmap there. And one of the things that I want to pull out for you today is that you begin right where you're at. And this is actually calling you to embrace and accept whatever might be happening in your life. And where even if you're not happy with it, even if you're sitting in a courtroom on Monday facing charges, <laughs> Right? Dr. Beckwith didn't run from, from the circumstances of his life. He courageously faced them. And that's what this knowledge, I hope, supports you in. Knowing that the entire universe is supporting you, you can sit face to face with what's happening in your life maybe in the lives of people you really love and care about, but that there is also a seed of courage that's been planted within you. That as you water that, that that grows as well. So I want to say a little bit about unfoldment, because Dr. Holmes in our Science of Mind textbook gives an amazing example of what unfoldment is. And he talks about, about transportation, about how as humankind, we went from walking to places on our feet to saying, hey, wait, maybe that horse can take me there faster. Jumping on a horse, and then wait, I need to take more things with me, so I'm gonna put a cart on this horse. Me and the horse, we're going to town. Wait we can actually build a wagon and put multiple horses on it and we can all get there, right? And then there's a train, a car, planes, all of that, the potential for all of that transportation existed at all times. It was all there, real, practical, available, and yet it unfolded right where we were at. We could see the possibility of our feet. Some crazy person saw the possibility of the horse. I mean, <laughs> could you imagine like getting on a horse? I mean, how did that, I mean, I'm sure there are many novels about how that happened, right? Because that's a pretty big jump. It seems so commonplace and even like old school now, but imagine when that first happened, how everybody would be like, that's dangerous. <laughs> You know, the first woman who got on a horse, her mom was probably like, honey, you're going to hurt yourself. Get off of there. Sometimes this happens in the unfoldment of our own lives too, right? People can't see what you know in your bones because they've got a different seed of unfoldment in them. And sometimes when people don't tend to their own creative 
longings and yearnings within their soul, they find it's easier to tell others what their job is, right? Instead of taking ownership of their own. Uh, I digress, though. That wasn't even written in my talk. Really, <laughs> I just thought, oh, I gotta go with that. That was consciousness unfolding. Now I have to find where I'm at. <laughs> oh, look, I've jumped ahead of myself, which is great. So, I do a lot of meditation, contemplation, and surfing on Facebook when I'm writing my talks. <laughs> Because this time when I was, you know, I, this, this story, Michael Bernard Beckwith's story, I was just so inspired by it. It was such a great fit for the, for the topic. So I had to like look him up on Facebook and be like, hey, what are you up to? That's how I knew it was the 33rd anniversary of Agape because I was checking up on him. And while I was, I ran across some, oh, some quotes. See, you all know this is so amazing, the way the universe works. I pulled up Facebook, and you know, I've got my news feed there, and I look, I look at it before I punch in the search engine at the top, and I see a post by Reverend Lola Wright, who she's based out of Chicago. They have a Bodhi Center, and it's a big, vibrant CSL. And they're in the process of like completely changing the way they do spiritual community. It's, it's, it kind of freaks me out a little bit, you know? And I'm like, okay, well, you do that over there, and we'll watch, <laughs> see how that unfolds. I have a feeling, though, that their regular meetings are a lot like our Friday was. What's that now? What I found. The reason why I'm talking about her is because this quote was right there at the top of my feed. She said, life has a funny way of working for you. Even when you can't feel it or sense it, do your part and allow. Wow. Even if you can't feel it or sense it, do your part and allow. This is where that nice watering of faith comes in, right? Like, oh, I can't feel it yet, but I know the universe is working for me. Oh, I'm so afraid, but I know that this is going to be okay. And as I continued then to look up Dr. Beckwith, he posts some affirmations on his Facebook page. And literally, I kid you not, I could not have even planned this any better. But the affirmation that was front and center was this. The path of my evolution unfolds before me. I am guided. I just thought, that was such an amazing, amazing full circle. We started with him and his drug-dealing habits. <laughs> and we move through his life, and we see how it unfolds. And now he stands for love beauty. And the evolution of your soul. And that it unfolds perfectly. 
and that you are guided. So I thought that I would share with you as we're walking this path of unfolding consciousness, as the seeds of purpose within us are asking to be nurtured, watered, born, cared for, tended to, I thought I would just give you maybe a few suggestions about what you might do in your own life. And actually, I thought it might be kind of neat since I don't know y'all very well yet, although I feel like you're family already, <laughs> to just tell you a little bit about my daily spiritual practice. These are some options for you. For if you want to be more conscious about unfolding the brilliance that's within you. Each morning when I wake up, immediately before I get out of bed, I write down my dreams from the night before, if I can remember them. I don't always. But when I do, I write down my dreams. Then I go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and tend to our doggies. But then immediately after, we go into meditation. And I say we because literally the dogs meditate with me. <laughs> we go into meditation. And I say my prayer for the day. And if I have time, then I journal. I go through my day. Every afternoon I exercise. Um, I find that after the morning of like do, do, go, go, that I actually need some physical unwind time. And I walk through Lafarge Lake in my neighborhood and just in, in and of the trees, which total side note, Georgia, no, Norm. Norm taught me how to tree hug. <laughs> I do it every time now. I'm like, Will when Will's with me, come here, we're going to hug this tree. And he's like, is anybody watching? <laughs> so tree hugging is often a part of my, my spiritual practice now. And then at the end of the day, I write down five acknowledgments of myself, something I'm willing to acknowledge myself for. I write down five gratitudes. And then I write in my dream journal something I want to know for my soul. You know, whatever I'm facing in my life, if I've got a question, I don't know how to deal with the problem, I, want, I just ask. I write it down in the same journal where I write down my dreams. And then I go to sleep. And I try to get eight hours. I think that's a critical part of your spiritual practice. <laughs> Getting enough sleep. So I wanted to share those with you. And, and also, as a side note, it is my full-time job to take care of myself so that I can cultivate the wisdom of my soul and of spirit and bring it to you. So when you look at those, those, those options that I gave you, pick one or two and just begin there every day. Five minutes is a great amount of time to start with. And I have no idea what time it is. Oh, yes! <laughs> because now it's time for you to ask questions of me. Who is going to go first? <laughs> I was fascinated to hear you talking about 
about writing on your dream. Uh, because um, I remember a lot of my dreams very vividly. Uh, and what's interesting about that is that they never seem to be related to anything in my life. <laughs> and they always seem to be uh, very interesting and strange places that I've never been before, people I don't recognize. How do you interpret me as that sort of thing? I mean, I could write it all down and we could go, what is this? With our TV show, I keep seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> so Alan tunes into reality TV in his dream life. That's wonderful. His his question was about, you know, I remember my dreams, but I don't know what that means. Like how what does that mean? I could write them down, but then what? And I love this question because as soon as you begin to write them down, you will know what they mean. And here's a, an interesting thing. I've been doing this for, I think, about a year now, this intentional dream work. And I often find that what I write down, when I do that before I get out of bed, I write those down, and I still remember my dream. If I go back later and look at what I wrote and compare that to what I remember, they're different. <laughs> they are different because uh, even my handwriting is different because um, you're not fully here yet when you wake up and write down your dreams you're actually not fully you know I'm not really conscious until after tea probably <laughs> which happens like two hours later I have some tea but just begin to take notice and I, when you're writing those questions and then writing your dreams just start reading them and looking at them and see what pops out for you. And there's a one thing to take notice of too is maybe not so much the crazy circumstances, but how you feel. How you feel in your dreams is one of the most important part of, of understanding your dreams. <coughs> so thanks for that question. Yeah. Who's next? Me. <laughs> So are you intimating that from our dreams, um, that's where we're hearing that still small voice, or are we hearing ourselves? Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> question. Great question. I love that. Sherry is wondering about, are our dreams a still small voice, or are they our own voice? I would just assign that as homework for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Good sidestep. <laughs> yes, gentlemen. So what's your practice when you're feeling all messed up? Oh, great question. What's your practice when you're feeling all messed up? Well, I'll tell you, the first thing I do is knock on Will's office door while he's working. <laughs> he telecommutes. Honey. And oftentimes, my first go-to is actually for him just to hold me. You know, so sometimes I've just found oftentimes that that physical touch, just will you please just hold me? You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. Just hold me and, like, rub my head. <laughs> that when I'm all messed up, that's definitely I start to feel back in my body. When someone hold, physically holds me and touches me in a loving way, I start to become back in my body. Another thing that I do, 
as I call my sister. And uh, we're very close. She lives in Everett, Washington. And um, even, okay, I have a oh, confession. <laughs> when I moved here into our apartment, our very first day, it was so scary, overwhelming. We moved into a high rise with little dogs who have to pee like 10 times a day. And I was like, what was I thinking? <laughs> and I called her up and I was like, Brent, this is so hard. I don't even know why I moved to Canada. I don't even know if I can do this. What am I doing? I don't have any family here or any friends. This is crazy. And she's like, sister. <laughs> sister, she said, you know, if you didn't follow your heart to Canada, it would have been the biggest regret of your life. She said, it doesn't matter how long you're there. It doesn't matter what you do there. You had to do this for you. And I was like, And it's been really amazing ever since. You have a lot of friends now. Ah! <laughs> if anyone wants to give me their phone number. <laughs> Jana, I have a possible answer oh. for Cher. Oh, yeah. Uh, isn't it the same thing? Oh. So Jana's question, she's giving you a little hint here. She says, when we ask, is the voice in our dreams from, our, from, from spirit, or is it from ourself? And Janice said, is it the same thing? She actually said, isn't it the same thing? And that's for each one of us to decide. Do we have time for another? Oh, we do. Norm. Not so much a question as an observation. OK. There's almost 60 people here today. It's like really well on you and you can't even Oh, thank you. He said there's a lot of people here today and this is great sign for, for impending growth of the center. And I say y'all have to come back next week and bring a friend. <laughs> there was a question on this end. Yes. And you answered the question to some extent, um, but I just wanted that it really helped me in that when you said when you're in those difficult times and you feel disconnected from source, um, it's just to, to trust to have that faith that yeah. you're not. You may feel that way, and yes. like you said, you're not feeling it, and there are times when you're not feeling it. Yes. But to be able to say that to myself, I don't have to feel it, it's still there. Yes. It really helps me. Yeah, so she, Nancy's bringing up something that's really yeah, important. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Janet. It's okay. We look alike. Where's Nancy? Oh, there you are, Nancy. I need you to sit by her. Janet, thank you. And thank you for being gracious with me and normalizing it. Oh, normalizing it. Okay, but back to what... Janet brought up such an important thing because she was saying, just remember when you're in those really dark, shaky, fearful, anxious moments that, um, that love is there, that possibility is there. 
And the thing that I want to say about that that I forgot to mention earlier, I can probably answer that, but that is my job to answer that question over every week, over and over. But I want to also tell you that um, my prayer work is so important for these kinds of when I'm feeling such a mess. I absolutely do turn, honestly, like Will needs to hold me first. <laughs> you know, and I'd like, to, and, and that I can do my prayer, right? Because that really helps me ground in the possibility of prayer. And um, this is what I tell myself before I pray, especially in these moments when I'm like, prayer changes things. I tell myself this before I pray. Prayer changes things. And I believe that I will be different and feel different at the end of my prayer. And honestly, sometimes I pray for 20 or 30 minutes, and it's because I'm continuing to pray until I feel that shift, until I can breathe and kind of let my shoulders down, lift my chin up, and walk up from my chair, my prayer chair. Yeah. Yes. So when you're sitting there praying, do you actually talk to your higher self, to God, or do you just sit there and think? I pray out loud. I, I pray out loud. There's something powerful about hearing the voice. But she's also asking, am I praying to God, or am I just sitting there thinking? And she's asking a couple of questions. Yes, I am. So I want to just say that I personally pray out loud that that helps me get into the, that sense of it. But also, God isn't, well, uh, oh, okay, here you go. Here's who you've hired. <laughs> God is not an older white gentleman out there, right? That is certainly what I was taught growing up. But God is a state of being a presence inside of me. Oh, this is perfect because we're gonna pray. We're gonna. We're just gonna. We're just gonna pray, and then this will answer your question. Okay, turn, turn with them, please. I just settle into this sacred, blessed moment of connection, of creativity, of love. And I take a moment to remember that this infinite presence of clarity, of joy, of grace, that it is forever and ever, before I can remember, after I can remember, everywhere and every single moment, living and being through each and every one, each and everything. This truth is even bigger than I can comprehend. So I breathe into it. And I let it love me. I let it hold me. I let it comfort me. And I remember that I am absolutely one with this infinite life, one with this divine power, and one with this unconditional love, that it is who and what I am. And it is from this place of divine oneness 
that I speak a word for each and every one in this room right now, because I know that spirit within the seed of purpose, of joy, that it lives within each and every one, that each one is guided and nourished along the way, that each one is here for this divine purpose and that it is such joy to bring it to life and that no matter the circumstance, that there is love right there. No matter the fear, that there is peace right there, right here. And so what I know is that life is unfolding beautifully, even when it's messy. And I am so grateful to remember that today. I'm so grateful to remember that no one is alone in this process of unfolding consciousness. I'm grateful to remember that love shows up in each one. I'm grateful for the loving embrace of spirit and for the beauty in which it guides and guards and loves. And it is with this knowing and this felt sense and experience of spirit within that I release my word into the law of divine mind, into the very soul of the universe, and let it be, and let it have me, and so it is. Yes. Yes.